Welcome, everybody. Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. Welcome back. If it's Tuesday, which it is, we are talking real estate. I am Barry Saywitz, uh, president of the Saywitz Company, managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing I've learned in my 30-plus years of doing this, it's to surround yourself with good people, get good information, try and make informed decisions, and try and stay out of trouble. And so we're going to try and do all of that today. I'm excited about today's show. It's one of my favorite topics, which is apartments and housing. And with me is Laura Archuleta, CEO of Jamboree Housing Corporation, based here in Irvine, California, throughout the state of California, affordable housing, builder, operator, owner. Uh, Laura, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we've been talking amongst ourselves about doing a show about affordable housing for a long time, so I'm glad you're here. I guess I want to start by maybe having you give us a history of, number one, how you got involved with Jamboree Housing, and then number two, sort of the history of the company and how it's grown. And then maybe we'll talk about what actually is affordable housing for those people who either don't know what it is or aspire to have it. Oh, great. Well, yeah, I'm happy to talk about all those things. I'm always happy to talk about affordable housing. It is my passion. Going back kind of historically, you know, we all wonder how we got into the positions we're in. But my mother actually grew up in public housing. So back Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts, you go back back there to Boston in a a small area called Chelsea, where she, um, her family, um, who was lower income, very low income, my grandfather drove a taxi cab and they lived in affordable housing. So when they moved out to Hollywood and I was born, um, I think I grew up with just a real give back kind of mission in my household. And so as then when I went to college and and grew up uh, here in Southern California, I looked at how could I make things better. And I started off in local government, thinking that would be the direction, maybe I'd be a city manager, and I got on that path and worked for some cities, which was very interesting, but really fell in love with affordable housing. Uh, Barry, you might remember back in the day when redevelopment was going pretty strong here in California, 20% of the tax increment that came off of these redevelopment areas had to go into affordable housing. And I worked on the city side, loaning out that money to developers and really just fell in love with getting housing produced. It's hard, it's difficult, but meeting a need that's not being met by the current market. And so did that for about 12 years on the city side and then started having kids and thought, I don't know about being a city manager and working in, working on this path. And so I came to a very small, sleepy nonprofit called Jamboree Housing Corporation here in Irvine. And there were three people and I thought, oh, this will be a great job to have while I have kids and raise my kids. And ooh, Yeah, look little, what happened, little right? Little I know. 20, here you are 25 years later. 25 years later. And it is, uh, it's been a crazy ride. A crazy ride. And you got in really uh, one with a company with a platform uh, and at a time where there really was a need and as time has gone on, the the need has certainly grown exponentially. Yeah, it's unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, I feel like I've been at this for over 30 years between my city work and my jamboree work. You know, we haven't solved the problem and it just keeps growing. 
And so coming into Jamboree, three staff, very small, um, really how we grew was interesting. It was working with cities who have, uh, at the time, again, the redevelopment set aside money. They Every city has a general plan. They have a housing element in their general plan, and that housing element outlines their needs. And so that's how we grew. We'd go into a city and we'd say, what's in your housing element? Where would you like us to focus? Do you have any money or land? And we did not work political. We worked straight through the city staff because it was real. At that time, you would just tell the city council, look, at we have to spend this money on affordable housing. And here's what's in our housing element. And we were able to grow that way. Yeah. And, and the city in that scenario really had some say in what uh, went on and or the location and could dictate sort of where it goes. And, and for those people out there who don't know, and, and maybe you could, I'm no expert on it, but I do know that the state requires each city to have a certain amount of affordable housing for lower and, and low to middle income families and, and, and households. And the city's job is really to make sure that they meet that requirement that's set aside by the state. And, and each city is different. Am I, am I correct in some yeah. of those explanations? Yeah, no, absolutely. So each state, through their um, housing element they take a look at they get assigned what are called regional housing needs requirements and from the council of government so down here in southern california here at skag the southern california association of governments and they're assigned to um, determine uh, what those housing needs are and it's really based on job creation how many jobs you have transportation patterns and projected growth and then each city is assigned to those housing needs. And those housing needs, they range from extremely low up to you know market rates. So right. there's a wide range of production um, goals. Now, it's interesting over the years, again, doing this a long time, is that those goals would be put in your housing element, but they never really were looked at to see, are you meeting those goals? How yeah. are you doing? Um, we moved forward affordable housing because at the same time, again, we had redevelopment funding. Now. The state, because of the current crisis we're in, uh, the housing crisis, the state is really looking at, okay, you need to adopt enough sites to meet those housing goals. You need to rezone those sites to residential, and you need to take down any barriers to development, to getting those sites developed. And that's what you're hearing about now in some of our cities where they're pushing back on sites or they're not uh, rezoning the sites or some, there's three cities, I believe, in Orange County here that have local initiatives that stop the rezoning of sites. And that's when the state's getting really unhappy because you're not moving forward with the local identification and approval of housing, which is really what we wanted. Yeah. Right? We all want, you know, we all live in cities. We want to be able to have input and determine where those sites are. Yeah, and, and it's not a, hey, I'm going to take one site, I'm going to do it, and then I'm done, and I'll call you later. It, it's really, from the state's perspective, my sense of it is, it's a long-term project with multiple sites to try, because you're not going to solve the problem by building right. just one property, right? Right, absolutely, and if you build one property, and let's say the zoning, as identified in your housing element, you were supposed to produce 100 units, and you only do 50 the state's okay okay you did 50 just identify where those other 50 are going right. to go so Keep there's going. there's definitely flexibility and so the stuff that you do in terms of the development is it majority or entirety is it basically redevelopment ground up development or do you ever do sites where you're 
uh, I guess, rehabbing an existing site or converting. You know, I know Governor Newsom was talking about buying up motels and converting them to the housing. Do you guys do that stuff or is it really all ground up? Yeah, no, great question. So we started really doing ground up, again, working with our cities. And we also work with master developers. So we work with the Irvine company when they have a requirement to produce affordable housing. We'll take a, a site and we'll develop that. Over time, we started doing some renovations. So, for example, in Garden Grove, we acquired some units on a street that was pretty run down. We had blighted conditions, and we renovated those units and then put affordable restrictions on them. So we could do new construction, renovation, and now we have 12 motels that we've purchased throughout the state through the state's home key program. And we're renovating those hotels and then we're occupying those hotels with folks who are living on the street, coming from chronic homelessness, the majority having some type of mental illness at that level. And so are different properties sort of designated to getting people off the streets with the homeless issue uh, versus a low to moderate income? Is it a combination? Does it really vary project to project? Yeah, it's interesting because the way the funding programs work, and I know you've, you've experience this a bit is you kind of have these lanes so you'll have kind of uh, federal funded programs which might be project-based section 8 and that can go into a new construction then we'll have these rehab projects then we'll have these motel conversions and so you've got these lanes of development that are really identified by the funding sources but they control who we're leasing to right and, and they set the operate. rents too they, they set, oftentimes cases. set the rent so for example, uh, the majority of our properties go by area median income, right. and then those units are set to extremely low, very low, lower, or moderate. moderate. So you have a, you have a range. Um, you know, I think the goal, the idealistic goal, would be to have a, a community that has a full range, a full spectrum of housing choices, so that you're able to house your families, your young kids, your seniors. I mean, we're seeing a big issue with. Seniors not selling their homes, right? So you're not having families move in. My husband's a teacher. We're seeing 15 year long teachers getting pink slips because there's not enough kids in our schools. So it it definitely ripples, you know, throughout the community. And and in terms of when you have these new projects that come online, I mean, to me, it, from a tenant's perspective, if I could get into the project and I could qualify and I got approved, it is sort of the golden ticket because I my rent is fixed at a uh, well below market rent, and it's a nice new property, and it's professionally managed, and uh, it may I may be precluded from other options because I just can't pay the market rate, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and or even if I could, now I have more spendable income. So my experience has been, uh, I'm curious when you do these projects. I mean, you have huge amount of demand and huge waiting lists for these properties. Oh, absolutely, really at all end at from our moderate all the way down to are extremely low income properties. We have very long waiting lists. We have very high quality residents at our properties, people who are coming in who might be your childcare worker, your retail clerk, your radiologist assistant in the healthcare agencies. And those are the folks living at our family properties throughout uh, the state who just can't afford a market rate unit. I mean, our, our affordable units here in Irvine a two-bedroom may rent for $1,200 a month, but what is a two-bedroom market rate unit rent for here? And right. you're buying Could you know, be three, 3, over three. Right. So they're still paying rent in the majority of our properties. Now, again, these are our family properties. 
like I said, we do have properties that are for folks coming right off the street. They're coming in and they're usually paying about three hundred dollars, two to three hundred dollars a month. Right. Well, and they've got they've got to get a job. They've got to get yes. themselves righted. It's a different story. But also, when you do these properties, when you say they're family oriented, they are basically designed for that. So there are amenities, whether it's playgrounds or other common features that really are a benefit that you just might not get at another place absolutely and i should uh, you know i I should give a little perspective too we have over ten thousand units throughout california and our average household size is about two and a half people per household so we're housing a lot of californians and at those family properties you're right we design them one two and three bedroom units all types of amenities on site we have 35 after-school learning centers at our properties throughout the state. So we're making sure that there's a safety net should any of our kids come in and maybe be behind, you know, in the school district and in learning or have a lower self-esteem. We do all types of social-emotional learning. We measure our outcomes. That's been a big effort in the last 10 years at Jamboree to put measurable outcomes to um, statistically relevant surveys. We bring in PhDs to take a look at our programs to see if we're successful, but we're changing overall um, lives, trajectory of families. Plus they can and, stay at the property, right? So so the right. kids can find other kids, they, yeah. they're they at the property, They you don't have to worry about carting them back and forth. And for a family that's lower income and mm-hmm. they don't have multiple cars or even a car, then they don't have to worry about it as much. That's right. We have college prep programs. We're getting all of our kids ready to go to college. I mean, California is a wonderful state with the community colleges and the the value education you can receive going there and then jump into the UC or the Cal State system. So um, it's it's a really, really good program that is set up in California, the affordable housing program to jumpstart any families that are not able to make the market rate rents. It's not heard about that often and I think some people are nervous about it. They're worried that either it's gonna bring down Uh, property values or increased rents. And um, we were talking a little bit earlier, I'm involved with the Livable Cities Lab at UC Irvine through the School of Social Ecology. And they just completed a survey and study that um, showed that rents and property values do not go down because affordable housing is built. Um, That in fact, in some cases, the closer you are to the new housing that's being developed, your property values go up. And I think that's because sometimes we are building in lower um, cost areas. And so you're so seeing- So you'd raise, you'd so raise you, the price because you, you have the, new development, right? Yeah, you raise the overall, the overall price. But I, I would guess uh, the flip side of all of the great benefits that are brought to the table by uh, new development, new property, all the amenities, you do still have some component of the community that says, hey, I don't want them in my neighborhood, right? I, I don't want lower income people in a higher income area, and I, I think it might cause crime, or I think that uh, the, the quality of the neighborhood may go down, right? I mean, and, and so that's a, a common perception, I think. But at the same time, the fact of the matter is, is that you're screening these people on the front end, right? There's a, there's a pretty extensive process to be able to get that golden ticket, if you will, to be able to get in the property. And, the, and then once you have it, you don't want to lose it, right? I mean, and so, so it, it really forces the people that are living there to be, uh, I'll call it on their best behavior, but also just appreciate the opportunity they've got. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can go, we can do full screening on our residents, criminal backgrounds, the whole thing. And so we're picking really good residents to live in our properties um, throughout California. And it's interesting, people are nervous. Overall, people are just nervous about change at all in their community. So whether it's, you know, high-end market rate housing or affordable housing being built, there, there can be a pushback. But I think there is a fear that these folks will look different or they'll be different and it's really just not the case these are folks who currently are in your community and they're just looking for a place to live yeah and so um yeah and the, the single moms and the retired couples and the veterans and the people that really need assistance this is a great opportunity for them absolutely and it's really not you know it's in some communities it gets very political it's really not a political issue this is about um, building strong, healthy communities. And, and it really doesn't compete with what I'll call market rate housing because y- you have such a preferred, I mean, if I had a choice, I would just, if I could get it, I would take the, it's, it's much cheaper. It's not even close, right? And right. so e- e- we have many of our residents at our apartment buildings that are trying to get into your projects and others like it. Uh, and it's a difficult, tall task and a long wait list. Yeah. Right. And in fact, so oftentimes people will think, oh, I don't want affordable housing in my community because I've seen overcrowded units and too many cars on the streets. That's not affordable housing. That's market rate housing. With, that's with eight people to, in a it, unit it, exactly. and six cars, right? Exactly. Because they're having to fill their units or they're not monitoring. Maybe they're you know not around. And so they don't know what's going on there. Affordable housing is going to be well managed, maintained and we have parking control and all of those types of things. So our residents are not the ones creating that impact. And in fact, it's interesting in, in Anaheim years ago, I was talking to uh, Kurt Pringle. He was the mayor at the time. Who and, was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he was, yeah. <laughs> so. so he was the mayor uh, at the time and he was saying, you know why I support affordable housing is because I want to protect my single family neighborhoods. Yeah. I don't want two and three families right. living in a house right. and clogging the street. Right, which is interesting because we also had the mayor of Santa Ana on the show uh, a few months back, and the rent control protections that they put in place for that city is debatable uh, and very controversial. But the, the the on the one hand, you're protecting the existing renters. On the other hand, I feel like, from my own perspective, it, all it did was fuel that two and three families in a house and that you would never leave. And then you, you do not incentivize the landlord to f- want to fix up the property because he can't get any more rent. And the only you, you have overcrowding and you've just basically secured it with the program that you have. So, I, I mean, I agree with Kurt's perspective, which is that, you know, the, the single family homes uh, serve a purpose and you don't want uh, cars on the street and in the driveway and up on the front lawn. And, and there are many neighborhoods where you see that for sure. Uh, and then it really is a problem. We, we have stuff in the city of Tustin and the neighborhoods that we're in, really difficult parking problem, not mm-hmm. caused by our tenants, but caused by the neighborhood. And it then makes it more difficult to rent the units because somebody who comes in and says, look, I only get a one car garage with a two bedroom and I have two or three cars, where are you gonna park? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully we'll see people, you know, using uh, car sharing services or different things to create a little, to, to lessen that burden a bit. But I do think 
I mean, the best way to reduce all of these things is to produce more housing, yeah. right? And it's the same, you know, with rent control, rent control. Uh, I, ad I have administered rent control ordinances in cities. I've had to try to calculate, are they getting a fair return when they invest more money into the property and improve it? It's very difficult to monitor those. And I think I have just seen that the more development you can have come in, the better off everyone is. We have we do some work up in the high desert. We built a development in the city of Lancaster and downtown Lancaster, and immediately our neighbors were fixing their units. Yeah, right. There was some competition, and in that case, we were not that far from the marketplace. Our affordable rents, we were a little bit, a right. little but, bit. But less, then the guy but, wakes up and goes, "Oh, if I actually put some money in, I could raise yes. the rent, and I'll actually get some of that back." Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to look at it. the interesting thing too we see and and there was a study that we had Dr. Snow at UC Irvine do maybe five years ago and this was on uh, specifically the homeless on the benefits of housing the homeless and getting them off the street and it's cost effective compared to leaving a homeless person on the street. And your projects are throughout the state. I mean, it's all up and down the state, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all not just up and one down. area. Yeah, no, and I'm talking a lot of Orange County because we're here. Here, but we develop in San Diego, the Inland Empire, quite a bit in the Sacramento region. Now we're in San Jose in the Bay Area. So um, throughout the state, there's different. There's some different funding programs and some different ways to look at it. But it's all about housing. I mean, to me, housing is we look at it as the platform for the strength of community, and it has a ripple effect on how kids do in schools, how healthy a community is if they have access to housing you know it just goes on and on and on and so having adequate housing for your community is the most important thing you can do jobs will come right when a new employer or retailer is coming to a community they look at how many people live there right and we, right. And we talk about it all the time we've talked about it on other shows where do the service uh, employment help live and if they can't live in the community that they work then they're on the road uh, creating more traffic spending more time away from family spending more money on gas and all those other things so if you can allow the people to live and work in the same community then there, there are multiple benefits for it oh it just ripples right yeah. and again going back to the schools when you talk to teachers and being able our our families when they move into the uh, one of our developments we have two beautiful developments in brea one of them on birch golf course um, and when they move in there and their kids are going to school and we talk to the teachers they're like their parents are involved right yeah they're going to girl scouts and boy scouts they're they're not having to work two and three jobs right you have more time it's a total game changer on top of that if you're only paying somewhere between 30 40 percent of your income towards rent or towards your mortgage, you then at that point have more money to spend at the retailers, right. right? You have more money to spend to buy healthy foods for your family. I mean, all of those things ripple from having high quality housing that families can afford. And the stuff that you're building, it, it's nice stuff. I mean, it's not the Taj Mahal, but these are not the pods that uh, the mayor in Los Angeles was talking about, right? I mean, these, these are nice, regular apartments brand new that somebody would get in there and say I, I i like this place i'm proud of my home oh yeah absolutely and it's um it's really fun to see families move in 
Right. Or one 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 really good experience was here in Irvine. We um, we have some beautiful developments, and we were working up in Brea, working with Shea Properties, and Shea said we'd like to tour one of your properties, and we took him on a tour of one of the Irvine sites, and uh, their project manager said, you know, this is uh, condo townhome quality. This is what we build. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> Donald Brand comes out and walks those properties and makes right. sure that they're high quality down here. So, you know, people want to feel pr- pride of where they live, and that's really important no matter what their income is. And so, what are some of the, I guess, exciting projects that you're working on? And I guess the second half of that question would be, you know, where do you go uh, in terms of the opportunity? It seems like it's almost endless. Well, it is. People always will ask us, and, and from time to time we look at it, is how come you're not outside of California? There's a lot of opportunities in California. There's a lot of need. But all the way up and down the income spectrum, I mean, we have a lot of that missing middle need here in California. So folks who maybe don't qualify for our affordable housing because they earn too much, but they can't afford the market rate housing. So there is an opportunity for us to take a look at some of that missing middle um, housing. So we're looking at that. There's some state programs through CalHFA and some other uh, lenders there to look at that. But we also see us continuing to expand in our veterans housing model. So we have about 800 veterans that live in our properties. And here in Orange County, we have the largest veterans uh, restricted property in Santa Ana called Heroes Landing. We have five service providers that have come along together with the VA to make sure our veterans are successful living there. And um, so I see us expanding that program. I also see us just continuing to expand really throughout the state with our family housing as well as our housing for folks who are living with chronic mental illness. Um, It is, you know, mental illness is often not talked about. It's really important to address it. And what we see, and now we've been doing it for over 10 years, is we see, you know, 90% of our residents stay housed in the housing. When they come in with a chronic mental illness off the street, we have full wraparound services for them. And it's usually every two to three years where there's maybe a blip in their medication needs, that just has to get adjusted. And if somebody's there for them to go to and get that support, they're back on track. They're working part-time, maybe they're not, either either way, they're living in those properties. So from a... um, It's more than than housing. I mean, it's it's a life changer. It it really is a life changer. And anyone who's been touched by mental illness in their family or friends, they know the, the impacts that that can have. We are being really creative on sites. We are under construction in San Juan Capistrano, uh, where we are building a new city hall. Their city hall was um, older. It was not meant to be permanent. And we demoed their city hall. We're building them a new city hall, and we're building some housing, uh, affordable housing on that site oh. uh, with the city hall. So uh, creativity is key when you're um, not able to be a market rate you know buyer out there right. or um or already own the land and so we're always looking for opportunities and, and i'm guessing in some uh areas and cities in more rural parts of the state the land is more affordable and accessible in, in areas like orange county los angeles where it's pretty well developed you're really looking at redevelopment opportunities um, because there's not just vacant land sitting around that's you know not at a premium yeah absolutely and i and the way the trickiest part of affordable housing along with getting the political support and the zoning is the funding and the financing 
and it's very competitive. There's a limited amount. So, you know, market rate housing, you have your rate of return, right? right. Your cap rates, you figure that out. You're going to get a loan. In affordable housing, you can line up everything perfect, and then you go in and compete. And you don't know who else is applying in each round, whether it's for the low-income housing tax credit or it's for project-based Section 8 funding right. or these other types of funding that um, that you typically are applying to the state or the county for. And so you have to be really creative on how you put you know those, right. those finances Because the, the funding's not coming from a bank. It's coming from the government, some That's government. Right. That's right. The majority of our funding comes from some government, sometimes foundations, and we usually then do have a mortgage, but it's a very small piece of the funding on a property. So we work with our banks, and then we go city, county, state, feds to put the rest together, typically. Gotcha. Well, it's a full package, and I can see why you stay busy. Yeah. So I told you when we started it would go quick, and it has, and so we only have a minute left. But I want to ask, so how can people find out more about Jamboree Housing? What's the website they would go to? Yeah, so we have a great website, www.jamboreehousing.com. And you can look at our properties on there. There's some videos on there. There's some education pieces on there. So take a look and you know, feel free to reach out. You can email me through there on anyone else on our team and learn more about what we do. It's just it's important to know that communities are stronger when you have a full spectrum of housing and we're happy to do our part. Yeah, and I appreciate all the good things that you and your staff and the company have done for the community and continue to do so so much continued success with that. And I appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking about it and sharing the thoughts. It's uh, always interesting to get uh, perspective. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really appreciate so it. I am Barry Saywitz. It is Tuesday, and we will see you back here next week talking more real estate. Thanks again to everybody here at OC Talk Radio for helping put the show together. I'm Barry Saywitz. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beale applied innovation center